Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, what's up? It's Kenny the Jet Smith. You're listening to Scoop Me Radio. Yeah, one question. Is it okay, baby? It's okay, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out, man. It's the boy Don Cannon. Hey, this is Isaiah Thomas. This is Bondi Carlo. You already know what it is, man. It's G Herbo. You listen to Scooby Radio. Watch out, watch out. Now listening to Scooby Radio. Everybody, please turn up the stereo. Tell a friend to tell a friend to let their family know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoop about to take the glow. Man, yeah, we're about to blow. Yeah. Five, four, three, we on the air. I know they gon' love this one, I swear. He what you needed, what you wanna hey, He's the man with the plan. Yeah. Uh, he need the scope, he got the scope, he got the trophy man the out. He rang the bells, you know it's brother in the views to get pills. Now listen to yeah. radio. Everybody please turn up the stereo. Tell a friend to tell a friend to let the family know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoop about to take the glow. Man the yeah, we're about to blow. Yeah. Follow him. At Scoop B, follow him. Yes, sir. Scoop Scoopy Radio. In your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you're subscribed to the Scoopy Radio podcast, which is available on all podcasting networks, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, iHeartRadio, everywhere, or simply visit ScoopBradio.com, 2.1 million streams and counting in 2019 and featured everywhere. And on the line right now is a guy that needs a formal introduction because he's that dude. is none other than the New York Daily News' senior NBA writer, none other than my main man, Christian Winfield. Christian, welcome to Scoop B Radio. Oh, no, what's going on? How you living, bro? It's a crazy world we living in right now. It's crazy, but... Um, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, the Bible says. So I'm just walking in there my face. What about you? Man, same, 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 man. I'm just here, 
you know, really just hunkered down, got me a PS4, you know what I'm saying, got me a couple bunch of different games, man. I'm just locked down. I'm not trying to get as much content as I can, but if I'm not going out, I'm just doing my thing, you know. PS4 is life at this point, man. I'm not even going to hold you. It's just, I wouldn't say it's unhealthy, but I definitely became a little mini gamer since the uh, since this little lockdown started. Man. Yeah, me and you were texting back and forth uh, a couple weeks ago, and you were telling me you were playing The Last of Us. You're really becoming a gamer. Talk, talk man, to me. Man, listen, that game was great. That game was basically about what we got going on right now, like a little infection that takes over the world and starts killing folks and turn them into zombies. You got to find out. Yeah, nah, that game is kind of wild. Um, but I'd be on 2K, I'd be on Madden, I'd be on Call of Duty, I'd be on Call of Duty Warzone. I'm on a bunch of different things, man. But first and foremost, still trying to, you know, handle my NBA duties uh, for the daily news. I'm still turning out content, getting my, trying to figure out what content even looks like now that there's no access, you know. So more so talking to people, got people talking to me and seeing what we got going on. You were in an interesting juxtaposition because, um, you're actually a homer. Um, you cover not just the Nets. You do some Knicks stuff. You do some sports stuff. I've run into you at different venues. Um, sure. You've interviewed football players. You've interviewed Knicks players, former Knicks players like Mel- Carmelo Anthony or you know what have you. But you were born and raised in Brooklyn, and you cover the hometown Nets. Um, how cool is that? Man, It is. you could almost call it like a dream come true, right? Because when I was in high school, uh, I knew that I wanted to be here, right? I went to Benjamin Banneker Academy right there on Clinton and Park. Um, I knew that I wanted to be, the, what I would tell myself when I was younger, I wanted to be the post from New York sports, right? I wanted to be the guy that everybody came to to figure out what's going on in New York, what's going on with the Knicks, what's going on with, this is before the Nets had come to Brooklyn, but what's going on with the Nets, what's going on with the Jets, the Giants, right? And then mm-hmm. eventually my career took a turn for strictly basketball because I realized that, okay, I'm not going to the NBA, right? I came to that that conclusion fairly early. I was like, I'm not going to the NBA, <laughs> So I'm, I've been a good writer. I love basketball. They put the two together. And then, um, you know, it just naturally led itself to journalism. Um, went to Hampton, Hampton Great School, the illustrious Hampton University. Uh, anybody listening to this podcast that has not decided on a college yet, you should check that school out. Um, definitely part of the reason why I am in the position I'm in right now is because Hampton, um, they have a really, uh, it's, it's really like a pipeline for people of color into different industries. And I was able to kind of get at least one foot or at least one toe into the door. And once you got a toe in the door, you kind of get two toes, three toes, four toes, you get a foot in there, get two feet in. And once you got two feet, it's, it's your room, right? It's a wrap. So I, I was just kind of <laughs> able to parlay that into different opportunities. And uh, to kind of get back to your point, it, it, this is kind of like a dream come true for me, right? Like this is where I wanted to be. Um, and I took all these steps needed. I did all the internships. I worked for free, right? I worked for four, three, four dollars a story. You know, I went through, I wrote free stories, right? I wrote stories for exposure. I worked for Bleacher Report before they got bought out by Turner and I was writing for exposure, right? It was all types of craziness. Um, but yeah, all the work that I put in to get to this point, it is, it's, it's gratifying, right? For me to be here in this position at what I consider to be the premier New York sports newspaper, right? Um, and covering the Nets, which is, you know, when I was born, we didn't even have a basketball team here. Now, with the Brooklyn Nets, they've got Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. you got two superstars here. And it's my job to kind of, like, cover this team and give the public, to give the public, the people, what they want to know about this team. Yeah, nah, man, it's surreal sometimes. And, uh, you know, obviously, if this year would have gone differently, if, if Kyrie would have been healthy, if this team would have been a little bit better, it would have been even more exciting. But... We don't even get to see that now because of what's going on in the world. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of different emotions going on at one time. But 
definitely surreal to be in the position I'm in right now. Thoracic bursitis uh, was the case in Kyrie Irving, <laughs> sources say. Uh, <laughs> what is that? That's funny. Oh, man. <laughs> one day in the book, we'll explain the whole Scooby story. <laughs> Talking with the New York Daily News is Christian Winfield. Christian, what were your early um, impressions of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at Nets Media Day? Man, um, sheesh, that almost seems like so long ago. Um. The interesting thing about that was the way media day started, like they had a bunch of people come out. We didn't know the order in which players were coming up, right? So mm-hmm. um, I believe it was Kyrie who spoke first. No, it might have been Kevin who spoke first and then Kyrie or one or the other, right? And right. When, Kevin sit, when Kevin sits down, no other media members raised their hand to ask a question, right? Or nobody else was ready to ask a question. I had been the guy, every single, play, every single player who came up, uh, my hand goes up, right? I'm trying to ask something immediately, right? So... This particular time, I didn't necessarily have a question ready, but the PR guy, I think it was Aaron, he just walks over to me and gives me the mic anyway. So I'm like, oh, sheesh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to even curse on this podcast. But I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Sugar, now? honey, iced tea. One of my favorite words. Go ahead. Sugar, honey, iced tea. Thanks. But yeah, so that just, and then and I forget what I asked him. I asked him about his relationship with maybe, no, I think I asked him about coaching and I think I asked him about what specifically he liked about Kenny Atkinson and why even though Kenny Atkinson is no longer here right that's a story for another day or that's a story for later in this podcast but he is a guy he's a he's a thinker and it's it's different him and Kyrie are in the same boat where they both give thoughtful answers if you ask them thoughtful questions but if you ask them questions that don't necessarily make sense like I've seen Kyrie I've seen guys ask Kyrie a question. He'd be like, oh, say that again, repeat that, right? So it tells you, A, to listen and B, they're thinking and C, they're not going to waste their time on things that don't make sense. And uh, that was my first impression of both of them. Um, and obviously, access to KD was limited this year because he hasn't been around. He's been hurt. Um, but Kyrie, is a, he's a cool dude, man. He's, he's done a lot of things just like behind the scenes, in locker rooms, not when cameras are on, not when recorders are on, that just seemed really cool. Um Really good dude. Obviously, what he does on the court speaks for itself. But, um, you know, obviously, they're also superstars, and superstars have their tendencies, and they want things the way they like them. So it's been an experience because me, remember, I, I got out of college in 2015, and that was when I, <laughs> that was like the end of the peak mellow era, and that was when the Knicks started going on their steep decline. And then uh, the Nets really didn't start getting good until last year. So this is my first experience around real, like, star players with expectations. So it's been been really i wouldn't say it's a culture shock but it's definitely been a a different experience that changed the way i perceive what can happen in the locker room what was your experience in nba locker rooms prior to your tenure with the daily news um so this has also been my first year as a full beat reporter right because before this i was an nba writer for uh sb nation and instead of actually trying to be a beat reporter then i was kind of like figuring out what stories i wanted to write that kind of had like a national scope, right? That's how I'm able to write something about Kemba Walker, even though I'm based in New York. That's how I'm able to write something about a whole bunch of different guys across the league or different trends across the league. So now that I'm like in a locker room and writing about one team specifically, it's interesting because sometimes not everything that you write is going to be positive, right? Like there are some stories where, and there's one one instance where it was a, a story that I had written earlier in the season with DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie. They were absolutely bombing on every alley-oop that they had thrown. And it's you have to ask uncomfortable questions, right? So I'm sitting there talking to both of them, like, hey, what is going on here? Why are y'all 
really messing. Like, it was bad. They like every time Spencer do an album to DeAndre Jordan, it would go out of bounds if the timing was off. And in asking those questions, I found out, hey, DeAndre Jordan runs for alley-oops at different strides than Jared Allen. And that's kind of mm-hmm. where the disconnect was. I wrote that story. That story kind of, I wouldn't say that was my biggest story of the year, obviously, but that was one that people kind of understood. Like, it was like, oh, okay, well, that's where a lot of these turnovers are coming from. Um, so it's been different um, being in the locker room this year versus previous years, um, simply because you are like really dealing with the same guys over and over versus last year. It was more so like I'm going into opposing locker rooms and talking to other guys. So definitely a, uh, how would I say it? Definitely a different experience being a beat writer for sure this year. Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News on the line with Scoop B Radio, talking Nets, talking his journey and more. Um, Kenny Atkinson uh, was let go uh, by the man. Way. Fill in that sentence of man. Keep going. It was something that no one expected, right? I woke up to the news. A lot of the players woke up to the news because they got texted in a group text. Hey, with, I don't know what exactly text messages, what, what the text message said, but they found out in a group message. At least a lot of them found out in a group message earlier in the morning. Uh, I found out in a press release sent out by the team. It was unexpected because it just came off of like a convincing win against the Spurs. It was it was really crazy. Um, so for that to have happened after Kenny like basically built this thing from scratch. Um, right. Was not. It, it was. I won't say it wasn't a good look because at the end of the day, it's championship or bust with this team, right? That's my. That's that's what I envision it, right? If you, if this thing, if this team falls anything short of at least NBA Finals appearances, plural, it, it was a waste, right? Because you've got Kevin Durant and you've got Kyrie for two years at the minimum, two more years after this and year. DeAndre Jordan, at the minimum three years. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan, you've got for for three more years. Um, you've got to turn this into a championship team. And I think they can. I don't think they necessarily have to make trades, right? I think you can just take this roster as is and have one of the deepest rosters in the – because if you add Kevin Durant and Kyrie to this team, you've got a deep team, man. That team can do whatever. Um, but whether whether or not Kenny is a championship coach is still undecided because he never had the chance, right? It's kind of like saying, hey, I need job experience for, for a specific job. It's asking for job experience, but it's an entry-level job, right? This is no longer an entry-level job, right? Now this is a championship-level job, and they need a championship-level coach. And I understand that, but at the same time, it's kind of like it, – it, it was it – was, we were blindsided, man. I had no idea it was coming. Uh, I don't think anyone saw it coming. Players didn't see it coming. And for, this, for that to happen to Kenny, even though he was the one who really rebuilt that program from scratch, developed all these players that they have now, Turn Spencer Dinwiddie into what he is. Joe Harris, Terrence Levert, all these guys. You can see Jared Allen becoming a starting level center in this league. Um, for them to let him go, it, it was kind of, of bitter knowing what what he had done for this program. But it's also like, okay, it signals that all right, it's it's time for this thing to to turn into full championship mode. And sometimes you've got to make unpopular decisions. So I get it, but it was tough, man. That that was not one that I, I was I was ready to see that morning. Jacques Vaughn uh, comes in highly respected, Kansas point guard. Um, if I'm not mistaken, going into the coronavirus hiatus, he's undefeated. Yeah, no, he is undefeated. They got that dub. The win over the Lakers was the the, and that that all seems so long ago, right? It seems like this coronavirus thing has been happening for at least a month and some change now, and it really hasn't. But that win over the Lakers, the way they were able to grind that one out. Just like man, is I, I, do I think Jacques Vaughn is the coach of the future for this team? No, I don't even think Jacques Vaughn thinks that. But at this point, like if he can 
collect enough wins, kind of like what's going on in uh, in New York. If Mike Miller was able to win, I don't know how many more games. I don't know what the record for Mike Miller to, to retain his his coaching status sure. to be, right? But if he was, if he would have call it a percentage, if he if he won sixty percent of his games, the Knicks would look foolish for firing him. I think the same would happen with Jacques Vaughn. If Jacques Vaughn wins all but maybe five or four games left, then he does himself a favor. He's a good dude. Now, I was able to have a couple conversations with him just, just about just about life, man, just getting to know him because a lot of times these guys are off to the side. You don't really get to see them uh, on a daily basis, and the Nets really didn't let their assistants talk. They more so want Kenny to talk on behalf of them. But Jaguar is good. He's, he's Obviously, he's played uh, at a high level. He coached before in Orlando, and I don't think he got a fair shake in Orlando either because they were this Ron Pennington running the show, and we saw what a disaster that was down there. Um, I, I think this was a good opportunity for him to kind of show what he has, you know, and we kind of, and we already saw something like schematic changes going on. We saw the Nets start to switch a little bit more defensively through uh, DeAndre Jordan in the starting lineup. And if anything, DeAndre Jordan is a light years better passer than Jared Allen. So that ball movement uh, picked up right away. Um, but at the end of the day, we only got to see two games out of him, right? Because as the season got shut down afterwards, so interesting stuff man I, I hope Jacques Vaughn eventually gets a fair shake somewhere whether it's here or somewhere else I just want him to, to have it because he's a good dude he's a good basketball coach I think he just needs an opportunity to uh to really show what he's got yeah and he got the win against the Chicago Bulls in his first game and then they headed out to the west coast and played the Los mm-hmm. Angeles Lakers last game he played and uh unfortunately uh, the NBA is on hiatus because of the coronavirus pandemic what were your thoughts um, when you first heard that beat writers had to not only stay out of the locker room, but also six to eight feet from players. <clears throat> See, that's interesting. You know, I enjoy being in a locker room, right? I enjoy just seeing what's going on in there because as a reporter, you know, as a journalist, it's our duty to to be the eyes and ears for our readers who can't see what's going on behind the scenes, right? So for us to not be in the locker room is kind of taking away what it means to be a journalist. We need to see what we need to see. We need to be there. We need to use our senses to describe what's happening for our readers. Um, but at the same time, when you've got something like a, a virus that is transmitted from human to human, from contact like that, um, I get it. I understand. I did not have to be in a, I didn't travel with the Nets to their West Coast trip. I didn't go out to LA. So I, I believe Malika and, and, and Alex and a couple other beat writers did make that trip. But from what I saw, they were pretty far away. Um, and it's just a weird dynamic, right? Because we're used to being, up, I wouldn't say up close and personal, but no, in a way, that's what it is. You know, if you're, yeah. it's like having a conversation with somebody. You are right in their grill almost. You know, you're talking to them, asking them questions and just having a good conversation. And I don't know per se because I haven't had I haven't been in them in a media scrum since the Nets went out, right? I haven't been to a game, I haven't seen anything. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily know what that was like. But a couple of us kinda had a fear that this was gonna become the norm, right? Right? Like are mm-hmm. you guys going to shut off locker room access forever? Which we would obviously fight back against if that was anything they tried to do. But at the same time, it's like how long is this coronavirus pandemic going to last? And if so, it this is a safety precaution. I kinda understand it. But it's tough, man. The dynamic has definitely shifted. And because there's so much uncertainty around this virus, like we don't necessarily know what comes next. And neither does the league. We don't even know when the season's going to be resumed. So nitpicking about, oh, we need this type of locker room access when we can talk to the guy outside the locker room probably isn't the best idea right now when we're still trying to figure things out. But once this thing gets handled, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be 
able to have normal locker room access once again. Yes, and I, I want to take a step back, Scoopy, Scoop right on the line, radio. talking to Christian Winfield, the NBA senior writer. Uh, there we go. The New York Daily News. Can't forget your senior. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> he pulled his suspenders up like Urkel when I said that. <laughs> Christian, I'm told um, that Uh-oh. the uh, still handy uh, Lakers okay. assistant coach. Um, he has history with Kyrie Irving during their past days, Kevin Durant. Um, you know, he's from Oakland, so he knows, you know, Kevin Durant played for the Warriors, and I'm sure there's a tie there somewhere. Um, and he just has a brand. So he has a brand that, you know, that, that has dribble skills and just, he has respect the social media presence at large. Um, Greg Popovich is a name that, that has rung bells like Sunday at 12 o'clock uh, as a potential uh, Brooklyn Nets head coach. If you had the opportunity, if you were Sean Marks for that, and, and assuming that they don't retain uh, Jacques Vaughn, if, if you had the ability, you had the keys to the city or the keys to the borough of Brooklyn to say, hey, this is the head coach that I want, who would it be and why? That's a tough question, right? Because at, at one level, you want to cater to your stars, right? And mm-hmm. I don't believe that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant got Kenny Atkinson fired, right? I don't think that's the case. But I do think that if they wanted him as their head coach, he would not have gotten fired, right? I think if they wanted him to be there, he would still be there. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I don't know. Like, the Nets are saying Kenny Atkinson went to them, and it was a mutual decision that he, did, he didn't want to be the guy anymore. Um, thinking back on it, uh, the it was a little weird after the Spurs win, uh, immediately after his last win of the season, he kind of just got out of there really quick for the media session, got cut short, he left, he darted out of the room, right? Um, I think he he, t- he did, he spoke for about three minutes, where usually after a win, a coach will speak for 10, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, what, what's going on here? Why would he get out of here so quickly? So I think he knew something was up. Either he knew that that was going to be his last game or he knew that it was he knew something at that point because to talk for three and a half minutes after Karras had, I forget how many points Karras had that game, but he had a pretty good game. We didn't even get a chance to ask him about Karras because he was like, hey, I'm, I'm getting out of here, guys. Have a good one. And then, boom, he's gone. Um, so that was kind of that was kind of weird in that dynamic. Um, but I only say all that to say if, if KD and Kyrie wanted Kenny Atkinson as their head coach, he wouldn't have gotten fired. That said, if there was someone I could bank on as the guy who will – I wouldn't even say the guy who will lead this team to a championship because he hasn't, he's not proven a championship coach. He hasn't won a championship uh, at the NBA level as a head coach. And I know people have their opinions about Mark Jackson, but for mm-hmm. everything that Mark Jackson means to the city of Brooklyn, he went to high school at Bishop Lachlan, which is right around the corner from where I went to high school, which is Benjamin Banneker. Um, he is a guy who commands respect. And I know people say, oh, he's not, he's not the best X's and O's coach, right? We saw what happened in Golden State once Steve Kerr took over. Uh, versus having Mark Jackson, right? But it's also a matter of having the talent, and the talent also took another step after that year that he left. Um, I'm just, I just love to see people from Brooklyn win, right? And there's nothing like having someone from Brooklyn who is respected in NBA circles coach the Brooklyn Nets and lead this team to a championship. Uh, I'm a homer. I, I would love to see Mark Jackson. But if you want to go a different route in terms of like finding out with X's and O's, uh, who's who's got the championship pedigree? Who has done it already? Obviously, Greg Popovich is a name that's going to come up. Um, I would love for Greg Popovich to leave the Spurs and come to Brooklyn and and have to deal with Greg Popovich on a daily basis. That would be fun. Um, 
who else? Um, I don't know where Kyrie or KD stand with the Van Gundys. Uh, I like them as head coaches. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Jeff or Stan, or if you get both of them in a, in a, in a, in a deal and you bring both of the Van Gundy brothers here, that'd be nice. Um, but to be honest, man, when it comes to these guys, you don't really know who they want. Uh, I know you reported that, that Phil Handy is a guy that wanted those two. I think you reported that Phil Handy is somebody that Kyrie wanted. If that's who Kyrie wants, then why not? You know, but I don't really know much about Phil Handy in terms of the teams he's coached in the past. I'm not sure if you bring in a rookie head coach to take a team to a championship, even though Steve Kerr was a rookie head coach and he took the mm-hmm. Warriors to a championship, right? So it's all different, man. I think at the end of the day, this team is going to do what KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan choose, whatever they want. They're going to make the trades to get the guys who they want. They're going to get the coach that they want. And ultimately, that's what you do, right? When you've got superstar talent and you paid those guys combined what 300 million 140 160 million. When, you, when you commit 300 million salary to those guys for the four years um you got to do what they want right otherwise it's, it's not going to be the result that you want if you want that championship you got to list to the two guys who haven't ring and if those guys want to set head coach if that's still handy if that's mark jackson if it's whoever um if i'm showing marks i'm getting the coach that they want i'm getting the players that they want I'm doing the trades that they want. I'm getting everybody that they want because at the end of the day, it's championship or bust and everybody has to be on the same page. Because in in reality, right, if, you know, Kyrie and KD are on three to three year, three more years after this, that's their contract, right? Kyrie, mm-hmm. Kyrie has three more years. KD has two more years in the player option. After this, Sean Marks is probably still going to be here. He's probably not leaving Brooklyn, right? So, do what you have to do. Get these guys their their time, right? At the end of this contract, at the end of their contract, and KD will be what, like 33, 34? Kyrie will be 30-something. or No, nah, I think it'll be 30, 31. There's no, there's no telling if they will be 31, they 28. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They might they might leave and go elsewhere. Maybe Kyrie wants to go to LA. Maybe he wants to go to Miami. Who knows where he wants to go? Maybe KD wants to go somewhere sunny, or maybe he wants to stay in New York. Who knows? Maybe they want to go to the Knicks. But Sean Marks is probably still <laughs> going to be there. So right. you want to right, right. So you want to you want to do what you can to maximize this window because you'll always have another chance. Well, maybe not always, but he'll have this chance to build something else from scratch after they leave again. So unless they they turn around and say we don't want you as GM anymore, which I just don't see happening. I don't see that. So that was my long winded answer to your question. Now I'm doing whatever. Like an old school Baptist preacher, man. You laid all ground. You laid all ground. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. You went from options A to Z. We like to see. Yeah, facts. You got to. So that's that's basically what's on the table right now. The Nets can do whatever they want, and really, whatever they want is whatever their stars want, and that's what it boils down to. I want to take a step away from basketball for a second to then return back to basketball, bro. Uh, for those who are listening, Christian, make sure to follow him on Instagram at Chris Splashed uh, right. on Instagram as well as on Twitter as well as he. he down the nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty of everything Nets, everything Knicks, everything New York area and beyond. But Christian, uh, you hell, you're a cook. You cook a lot of right. stuff. If you look at check, take a look at his Instagram story. He has a a, a business in which he, he meal preps and does a lot of different stuff. It's not just pasta. It's not just burgers. I oh, mean, no. this guy is educating on what sea moss is and. Uh, the fact that you should use grape oil, not extra virgin olive oil. Right. Christian, um, first and foremost, um, when do you have the time to cook in addition to being a, a full-fledged NBA writer? Bruh, I don't. I really don't have the time to cook, bro. I wish I did. Uh, I cook uh, when I can. Um, I cook when people ask me to, right? You know, I generally try to meal prep for myself when I can, you know, because – Eating food in New York City is tough, 
right? Eating out in New York City, you could spend $200 in a week. If you're eating lunch and dinner out, you could spend, I don't know how much money. You could, I've spent so much. And that's how it started one day. Uh, one of my boys was a, uh, he worked for a couple of things. I want to say he was a primary. He worked for some some financial company. He's like, hey, bro, let's just go over your finances one day. And we went through my debit. We went through my, my uh, credit card statements. And he was like, bro, look how much money you're spending on food and liquor, right? And obviously, you know what I'm saying? Happy hour. You, you go out, do your thing every now and again. But more so lunch and dinner, eating out, ordering on Uber Eats, which I still do every now and again. It became like a, a monthly bill. I was paying more for food than I was for student loans. And I was like, all right. There's something's got to change, right? So I started just really just looking into different ways I could I could cook, and I always enjoy cooking, right? Like cooking is nothing new. At Hampton, I used to do fish fries to pay for my rent. Um, the first instance of me making money was I used to sell these little things called peach wobblers. I was I was probably like what maybe eight, nine, ten years old. There's like this little festival outside. It was just simple. It was uh it was canned peaches. Um, it was some um, what was on top of that? Uh, graham crackers, crushed graham crackers, whipped cream, cinnamon, and some like peanuts on top, like crushed peanuts on top. It was sell those five dollars, and that was the first time I made money. I think I made a hundred dollars that day. And uh, so profitability and the ability to generate income has always tied itself to food for me. And um, so I just always had that in the back burner. It's always been a, something that I enjoyed doing. I cater brunches. You know, I have people. Um, just hitting me up like, hey, can you cater a brunch? I'll make some chicken and waffles. I make the eggs I make are to die for. I mean, not even to toot my own horn, but they're some fluffy scrambled eggs, bro. Not even gonna hold you. Um, French toast, you know, if you, it's, it's called Chris and Chips. I call, I, I coined the business in not last year, the year after this 2020, 2019, in 2018, I coined the business Chris and Chips. Um, the Instagram is Chris and Chips NYC. That's Chris with a K, uh, K R I S N, the letter N C H I P S N Y C. And you can mm-hmm. just see some of the stuff I do. And then I've always just tried to be, healthy because you know I, I i used to be like seriously seriously borderline morbid obese and then one day i lost 80 pounds just by well not one day one year i lost 80 pounds just by like changing what i ate and uh just like you know committing to, to working out a little bit every day and then i just started gradually realizing okay well i should probably limit the amount of meat i'm eating i can replace this meat with i think okay i can eat more fish i can eat more veggies i can have more smoothies my boy x the vegan uh put me onto the sea moss wave and sea moss is kind of i wouldn't say it's like caffeine Right, but it does give you a boost of energy. It gives you damn near all of the vitamins and minerals that your body needs to function at a high level. Um, I started giving some to my mom. My mother's 63. Uh, she started eating some for, for two days, and she was like, hey, I feel night and day younger than I was, than I felt the other day. Um, now, just like everything, you know, sometimes you take some things and your body starts getting used to it, but it gives you that little jolt of energy. Um, and yeah, man, I've just always loved food. I've always loved like nutrition and figuring out ways to kind of push your body uh, to, to different elite levels. And, um, you know, uh, it's just been great for me. You know, it's, it's, it's one of my passions. You know, it, it's probably the thing I'm most passionate about is food. I've loved basketball and love basketball writing, obviously, but food, you know, there will always be a need for food, right? If, if the NBA doesn't come back ever, there's no basketball writing, right? But if right. we survive beyond tomorrow, there will always be a need for food. So that's kind of where my, my passion has come from. Hmm. Living in New York City, um being on the go yeah what are three tips that you could give other people who are just like you on the go for making something quick sensible but healthy at the same time quick sensible but healthy at the same time okay let's see three tips wow number one you always need to have some type. Well, greens are easy to cook, right? Greens cook faster than anything else. Greens and fish cook faster than chicken and beef and grains. 
right? You get you some some broccoli. Broccoli cooks in two minutes if you cook it right, right? Fish cooks in five minutes if you cook it the right way, depending on what type of fish. Um, so you always want to have some of those things on deck. Salads are really easy to make. You want to rinse everything, obviously, especially with the coronavirus going on. Yeah, if you listen to me, please wash your food and then wash it again. Um, if you're buying meat, clean it with some lime, clean it with some salt, rinse it off. Sometimes you might even want to soak it. Um, in this type of climate, man, where just touching people or people touching anything can, can put you at risk of exposure, man. You really want to be safe with, with A, cleaning your hands and B, cleaning your food. So that's probably the tip number one, um, just really just being clean. Number two, um, just greens are, are, they're easy, right? And if you if you want to do convenient, if you want to just do something that's quick to make, you really don't have to do much with, with vegetables, right? Broccoli is an easy one, right? Because you can, it's, it's versatile. You can cook it really quickly. You can toss it in a sauce. You can buy sauces. You can buy pre-made sauces. But a lot of times if you're a health conscious and you look at the back of some of those sauces, the sugar content is entirely too high. So I would stay away from some of those. Um, easy. Olive oil, lime, lemon, um, different herbs like cilantro. You can make your own dressing. You can make your own sauce really, really quickly uh, with a base like that. Um, cook enough of a certain grain to last you a week, right? Because if you cook rice on Monday, it'll last you through Friday, right? And that's that's better than having to make a little bit on Monday, another little bit on Wednesday, another little bit again on Friday and last year. If you cook a grain on Monday, on Monday <clears throat> it'll last you through Friday. Um, and yeah, man, meal prepping is not as hard as people make it out to be. You just have to set a time. Um, usually Sundays is the day that I'll try to cook a few meals for the day. Um, you really just got to prepare yourself. You can freeze a lot of meals. So a lot of people don't like to freeze their own meals, but if you freeze, if you put something in a, in a plastic container and throw it in the freezer, it's really easy. It'll last you God knows how long. I've, I've still got full meals frozen that I can just throw in the microwave right now if I really wanted to. Um, so yeah, what else, what other tip can I give somebody? Um, Processed meats are not very good for you. Cold cuts. That's something that was I used to love. So growing up in New York, man, you love sandwich. You get a sandwich real quick. You get it on the go. Mm -hmm. Those meats are processed. They're full with so much sodium. And some people are trying to figure out, oh, why am I, why am I not dropping weight? Look how much sodium is in the meat that you're buying, right? A lot of those meats are not good for you. Uh, seafood is expensive, but it's the healthiest meat option. You can try chicken breast, lean meats. Um, but you really want to do if you're if you're someone like like I was and that I was trying to cut down weight in as healthy but as quickly as possible. You want to limit the amount of grains that you're eating. Um, grains meaning rice, bread, pasta, potatoes, all the all the starchy foods. You know, banana, potato. Uh, I already said potato, banana, corn. Uh, you want to limit those and have a lot of greens and a lot of proteins on your plate. And that meat, that that excess fat that you're trying to cut will cut down. Uh, I won't say overnight, but in the process of two to three weeks and 17 days, if you if you cut all of the starches and all of the fried foods out, you you'll start seeing body, you'll start seeing that fat trim off really really quickly. You're preaching. We're really on the line with Christian Westfield <laughs> talking food, talking nets, talking journey. Um, Kyrie Irving is a vegan. Yes, he is. What do you think? about the, not respectively to him, but in general, like there are people who say that in sports, vegan diet, um, guys are not getting natural sources of protein, um, that people are, you know, they're drinking soy milk or, or, or almond milk, and maybe that's not the right source of protein or, or excuse me, of sure. calcium. What do you make of the vegan diet for athletes being that you are a chef and you know so much about nutrition? 
fun, funny thing is I've spoken to this with, I've spoken about this with two people who would know exactly what, what we're talking about, right? One is Andre Iguodala. I interviewed him on just what he eats to, to last, right? And he actually said something very, very interesting, which is that, you know, for the Warriors championship run, like he said, like he wants to be a plant-based individual, right? Like he understands that, you know, if you, if you cut out a lot of the meats that are not good for you, your body functions at a higher level. But he also understood that he had to defend LeBron in the seven-game series, right? He understood that you can't, like, if you go vegan, you're going to lose a lot of the mass that it, that you put on by right. eating meat, right? And then another person I spoke to on this topic was Dwayne Wade's personal chef, Richard Ingram. These are two stories I did for SB Nation a couple of years ago, um, back when I was really on that food and uh, and, and basketball uh, beat for them. And, um, you know, he was like, hey, you know, uh, I wouldn't tell Dwayne Wade to be a vegan, right? But some people make it work. And he was like, you can find a lot of natural protein in in grains and in and in plants, right? One of them is chickpeas. Chickpeas have about nine grams of protein per cup, right? And if you eat enough chickpeas in a day, you'll get what you need. You know, there's a lot of different sources of plant protein that are still healthy for you. Now, the issue there is, will you be able to put on the mass? And sometimes you have to replace that protein and or protein that you would eat with a starch, like with a with some some type of, of complex carb. Maybe it's a, a whole wheat bread. Maybe it's brown rice. Maybe it's black rice. Maybe it's some potatoes, some yams. You know, you get you some ice out stew from the Jamaican spot. Um, there's a lot of different ways to to get that into your system. But I think for athletes, and, and especially for bigger athletes like like Spenners and and DeAndre Jordan finds a way to do it without. But a lot of those those bigger guys, those those guys who are who are going to be absorbing a lot of punishment, need that animal protein in them. Um, but at the same time, you see, I think it, it's a case by case basis. You know, if Kyrie can find a way to do it without. You know, and he's running into the paint and, and jumping into big men and still scoring, getting the air one, getting the plus the foul at the line. You know, I think anybody can make it work. It's just a matter of if they want to. You know, a lot of people are scared of the idea of cutting out meat fully. Shoot, I am. You know, I still, man, listen, I love my oxtails. I got to go to Jamaica's fine, give me some oxtails today. Maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> it's certain things that, that, for me, you know, you don't need, right? Like fried food is probably not the best thing to eat on a daily basis. Red meat is probably mm-hmm. not the best thing to eat on a daily basis. Um, and there's things like that, but it's all about moderation. Some people are good with just like cutting everything out and, and not looking back. Some people need to kind of balance it out. Um, I think the rule of thumb for me is if I'm going to eat any type of meat, I usually have two thirds of my plate as a veggie. Uh, and then the rest of it will be either a meat or, or, or a starch, you know, but it, it's different for everybody. Uh, some people's bodies just aren't made to do that you know i mean I don't, I don't believe that though i don't believe that your body isn't made to only run on plants or run on fruits and things like that i think everybody's body is built to to run on whatever they want to put in it right so if you want to fill your body with with protein with 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 plants and and fruits you can if you want to feel it with 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 turkey and chicken and oxtails by all means you can do the same but you'll feel the difference i was talking to andre Godella about the same thing he's like yeah it's night and day uh with my my digestive system with the way i'm able to move uh, when I'm not eating meat versus the way it is when, when I do. So everybody's body is different, but at the same time, I think everybody's body would function higher if they cut out meat. Christian, Karis Levert um, put up numbers against the Boston Celtics before the uh, yes, corona pandemic halted NBA play. Um, <clears throat> when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving return, do those three legitimately – Form a big three, or are they a big four with DeAndre Jordan included? That's in, that's interesting. Um, I think Karras has another step he needs to take, and the step is in being consistent, right? Because he'll go off for thirty-seven one night, and the next time, the next night, you can't find him on the floor, 
right? And and that's and he'll even say that too, right? He'll say, okay, the next step for me is consistency and being someone who I can be counted on to go out there and do this on a night to night basis. Now it's tough for him because you want him to be able to be that guy who can score thirty seven on any given night. But how do you do that when you've got one, when you've got two guys who can go out there and get you fifty on any given night, right? So the 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 season for him has been kind of sort of trying to figure out where he fits in, trying to pick his spots. And the numbers even say it. He's played so much better this season without Kyrie on the floor than he does with him. But that's just a natural byproduct of having a guy who can a, you've never played with before. Like, think about it. They've only played 20 games together. And mm-hmm. even still, they were kind of injured for the same period of time. They both got hurt on that West Coast road trip uh, where Karras got hurt in Phoenix. And then I think um, uh, Kyrie got hurt in – I think he got – he said he got hurt in a game against New Orleans and he aggravated it later. Um, but it, I do think that there is potential for that to be a big three, maybe a big four. I don't know if you call DeAndre Jordan part of that big four. I mean, the way he's been playing, if he can continue moving that ball and protecting the rim – then sure. But I mean, it, the Nets are in, I think Karis LeVert kind of embodies the crossroads that the Nets are at right now. And I wrote this uh, before, certainly before the, uh, the the season shut down, is that Karis LeVert is still an emerging star, right? He's not a star, right. he's not a star yet. And we don't know if he'll ever get to that star level. It's still undefined, it's undetermined because he could regress tomorrow, just like we could all could regress tomorrow. Except me, I'm not regressing nowhere. Right? Let me stop. But we could all we could all regress tomorrow, right? We don't we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know what we have right now. What you have right now in Karras is somebody who is a who can create for others, who can create for himself. He's a, a crafty defender. He might not be the best one on one defender, but he plays those passing lanes like nobody else. Um, and you you kind of want to bet on his potential, but you can't keep. It's, it's kind of like the decision they had to make with Kenny Atkinson. Can, will Kenny Atkinson grow into want to be into being a great coach in this league? Probably, but is he a great coach right now? It's it's undecided. And what the Nets need right now is someone who's an immediate contributor, right? And Karras can be an immediate contributor, or he can be part of that package for an immediate contributor. I think they keep him around at least through next year, right? That's what I would do. At least see how he looks playing next to KD and Kyrie. Um, and if he figures it out and if they, they look like an unstoppable trio, then yeah, you keep him. But if not, he's proven enough in this year and in last year to where whoever you trade him for, wherever you trade him, you're going to get something in return. Um, obviously Bradley Beal is a name that makes sense. If you put him next to KD and Kyrie, that's a championship trio right there. But what's it going to take to get him? Um, and then once you just look around the league, there's not very many options out there. All the other stars are paired up in duos across the league. Are you going to go try to get Donovan Mitchell? Probably not. The Jazz ain't trading him. Are you going to go get Jimmy Butler? He's not going anywhere. He's in Miami, right? It's not a lot of options out there. And that's another position the Nets are in. You, you can trade Karras LeVert, but who are you going to get that really makes a difference there, right? I'm not sure you get someone better than Karras uh, that another team is willing to part ways with. So they're in an interesting spot. Uh, Karras is in an, interest, an interesting spot. I do think they can put it together, um, but it's going to take a Karras taking that next step in consistency. He's probably going to bulk up a little more because he's going to have to be able to defend his position more efficiently. And um, we saw the step that we needed to see from him this year, which was him hitting that three ball down, lights out. I was in the middle of writing a story on that until this, this uh, season went down. Um, he said that, you know, basically he used the time where he injured his thumb uh, to really look at different ways to to improve his jump shot and he came out of that thumb injury shooting better than 40 percent from three so if he can carry that into next year then the nets have at least one three and d playmaker now you just need another because when you're building around two superstar players in kd and Kyrie, it's almost like trying to build around lebron and ad you have to get role players who know exactly what they're going to do that's what the lakers did right they went and got yeah. danny graham they kept kcp got avery bradley uh who else they got 
Quinn Cook, who's a shooter. They got a bunch of different guys who know what they're there for. JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. They had to make sure Dwight Howard knew what his role was, right? I think that's an issue that the Nets have right now is you're bringing in two superstars, but you still got a lot of other guys who are trying to figure out their way in this league. And when you're building a championship team, there's no room for figuring out. You got to know what it is. Um, so that's Karras. That's Florian Prince, Jaron Allen. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is at a point where he knows what his role is. You know, he's the first guy to tell you, hey, man, there's a hierarchy here. It's Kyrie. And until KD comes back, it's Kyrie, Karras, then it's me, right? You need a lot of guys who know that. You need a lot of Garrett Temple-type guys who are who can shoot the three, who are going to defend their position, who aren't going to make dumb plays. Um, it's not like they have guys who don't know that, right? It's just you need the best possible versions of those guys. And uh, Karras could be the best possible version of being a star in his role. Because think about it, if Karras Scoop is here beyond KD and Kyrie's tenure, then this team automatically becomes his, right? If KD and Kyrie decide, hey, we're out of here, Brooklyn Nets belong to Karras Levert, at least for now, until they, they do something about it. So they're in an interesting spot, and that's what makes the Nets one of the most interesting teams right now, is they could do two completely different things. They could either package their young guys and trade for whatever star they're going to get, or they can right. just keep this team as is and, and go for it like this. And I think either way, they could win it all. So we'll see. You know, and it's interesting because um, you bring up the Lakers and you talk about AD and LeBron. You know, you know that I have been in and out of that that Lakers uh, inner working since 2018 as it relates sure. to Davis coming, LeBron, et cetera. And the one thing that sure. I think you, you nailed on the head was building around those guys. When I look at Karis LeVert, the person that I think of uh, in comparison to LeVert and his situation in Brooklyn is one Kyle Kuzma. Yes, sir. Yeah, is a good, I, I would think that I, my 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 argument would be that Karis Levert is a little better than Kuzma. Uh, I think that he, he sure. brings a little bit more to the table, especially we see. We I think Kuzma is a little more inconsistent than Karis as well. Like we know Kuzma can light it up on offense, but does he do it on a consistent basis? I don't think so. Um, and he also I don't think he's ever been the focal point of of an offense either. Whereas Karis kind of had to shoulder a lot of the load right. in the playoffs last year. Um, but yeah, in terms of their situation, yeah, they are they are definitely uh, in similar spots uh, on different coasts. And I think when you look at Kuzma, um, he's in a situation this year that Brandon Ingram was in last year. He played sure. better when Davis and or LeBron were off the court and or were injured. Sure. You look yeah. At Levert, which goes back to your point about situation. You look at Levert. KD, you know, we haven't seen Levert and KD play together yet. KD's been out. But then you look at um, you look at Kyrie Irving. You know, you look at the first few games of the season, that game against Memphis where he went off and, you know, tried to get the last second shot, didn't go through. Um, but then you look at, you know, just Levert scoring those points against the Celtics. Even last season uh, where he was carrying his shoulder in the low, got hurt, was a borderline all-star last season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely was. So, yeah, I think their bodies of work are different, but you see their impact that they're showcasing both Kuzma and LaVert. You know, I feel like, you know, at the trading, well, I can tell you at the trading deadline, the Lakers work, had a myriad of discussions on different scenarios to potentially shift Kuzma to get better. They ended up sticking with Kuzma when you look at Karis LaVert. Right. Now the rumors are coming out, the Bradley Beal stuff. Um, you know, so it's it's interesting to see their positions and their value that they can bring on another team if they were able to shift somewhere else. So, but I had a question for you. What's if up? you are Lakers GM, are you trading Kyle Kuzma in a deal that gets you Marcus Morris and not letting Marcus Morris get to the Clippers? Like, do you think the Lakers messed that up? No, because they got his brother, and I yeah. think his his, and his twin brother allows you in the Lakers uh, system to shift Kyle Kuzma back to the his natural three position. 
when I was looking at Kyle Kuzma before uh, that move happened uh, to bring in the Morris twin, uh, Kuzma was at his young age. He's a natural small forward. He's a natural scorer. Yeah. He draws the double team in certain situations. I think as he progresses in his career, I think he's going to become a better defender. Um, but I, I do think that in, in the in the Lakers system, he is playing the three. But the thing is, when you have Anthony Davis within that offense, he's a three, four, five tweener. So that shifts right. Kuzma out of position some. Right. When you put Morris in the second unit with Kuzma. Kuzma drops down to the three and can and can do some. He's LeBron light. I won't say some of the things LeBron does. He's LeBron light in the second unit. So okay. to get Morris, um, I mean, I, I I don't think that I I think that would have messed up the chemistry because I think more than anything else, aside from what's on the floor, I think Kuzma's a glue guy. You have to reorganize that whole Lakers system if you take Kuzma out of the equation at least this season. Gotcha. I hear that. You think these uh, those Lakers are going to beat the Clippers in the seven-game series? It's going to be difficult, um, but I don't think it's impossible. I think when you look at the Lakers, the first two games when they played against the Clippers, the thing that was interesting was the Lakers were still not a complete team. Still, had, this, right. The last game that we saw between the Lakers and the Clippers was, was an indication of what that team makeup actually is because you don't have any roster spots that are, that are not being used. Right. Mark was supposed to be that guy on that team this year. And Dwight Howard came out of nowhere. So right. when you look at the when you look at the Lakers and you look at their system, one of the criticisms was that they were too top heavy. Yeah, but you got top heavy guys that can play multiple positions. Exactly. And I think that when you look at the Clippers, I mean they were already a made team before they brought in Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George. You added a superstar and a star uh to their to their to their system. Um, but they were already a complete team and had chemistry already. I think the advantage the Lakers have is chemistry, but as far as positions one through fifteen, the Clippers are better. But yeah, I think that they're not. I don't think that I think the Lakers are the underdog, and I think they relish in it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's different for LeBron. LeBron's never been in this position before, except for having to go against the Warriors. Um, I don't even know if you consider them an underdog, but the Warriors did have the best regular season record ever. And then yeah. uh, they came back and won that series. Uh, when you mentioned the, the Clippers, though, it reminds me of the Nets when you talk about a team that had their chemistry gelling last year, and then you add two stars and KD and Kyrie to that team. Only thing is the, the, the Nets lose a lot of that chemistry because you lose your point guard and you trade for another one, right, versus the Clippers who have most of their same players intact, just adding a couple different pieces here and there. So it's interesting. I think the Nets have an opportunity to be Clippers-like. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if you add in Kevin Durant, that's – easily when healthy if he comes back just like he was before he's one of the three i think he's one of the three best players and then it's tough man how would you do your top three at this point in the game man if you only get three where do you go there's so many players to come there's at least five players to, to consider if i made my top three players in the nba right now right now lebron sure now let me ask this question when the top three means we're not counting injuries. We're just talking players, period. Players, period. Top three right now. If KD is completely healthy and looks like – and that's tough, man. It's tough to say if KD is completely healthy because we don't know what he looks like right now. But I, I've seen him working out, and he looks good then. I, the first – when I knew he was back was when I just happened to be – I was at practice. I'm, I'm not sure how many other people were there. This man was shooting turnaround fadeaway jump shots, bro. He was shooting turnaround. And mind you, this is like January – 
maybe December, and this man is shooting turnaround fadeaway jump shots, and he's like getting elevation on them. Like I'm like, oh no, because I remember when I first started covering the team, and I was going in practice, and KD really couldn't even sh- jump off his shooting. He couldn't jump off that foot, off that leg that he had tore his Achilles, in. and for him to be shooting turnaround fadeaways, I'm like, oh no, this man is back. So if he looks anything like what he looked like last year, that's what I'm I'm, I'm considering that 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 version of KD. All right, so I'm going to answer your question, and then I want to actually delve into KD a little bit. So, because I admire what you've done with the video. So, first of all, in answer to your question to my top three guys right now, um, injured or not, here's where I'm going. LeBron James. Mm Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard. Mm Mm-hmm. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I, I think my top three looks just like that. Um, and, and simply because, you know, as much as I, I, I admire what KD is able to do on the court, it's more so of like a what have you done for me lately type of league. Yeah. I'm trying not to. Like, I, like if it's healthy, right, you automatically consider him in your top five. But the fact that we've seen LeBron carry this Lakers team with AD, the fact that we've seen Giannis dominate the NBA, the fact that we've seen Kawhi Leonard just be the Terminator out there, and we haven't seen KD at all, it's tough for me to throw him in my top, my top three. He's definitely in my top five, injured or not, though. Like, he'd probably be number five. I think number four for me would probably be, I don't know who I'd put at number four. Where does Steph Curry fit in that equation for you? Mm, that's tough. You know, I'm a guy who's always, I always have been low on Steph Curry, but he's always played, he's always had the benefit of playing with a loaded team, right? right. And that's not me saying, that's not me disregarding what he brings to the game basketball. He revolutionized the three-point shot, right? Now you've got people coming into the league, pulling up from, from 30. Look at Trey Young, right? Look at kids at the park who are pulling up from 30 feet out knowing they don't have that much range because they see Steph Curry on doing it. He yeah. had like an Allen Iverson type of influence on, on basketball, right? He's got uh, people all over, the, all over the world doing things because he was able to do it and because they relate to him, right? Steph Curry is six foot, what, six foot three, six foot two. Six looks, like he grew up, looks like he grew up someone that was around the corner and he's dogging the NBA. And I think there's a relatability factor there that people don't have when they look at LeBron, when they look at Giannis. You, can't, you might not be able to be Giannis, but you can pull up from 30 feet. You can be Trey Young. Right, you can be Steph Curry, um, and I think that I'd probably put him at number four, um, just because. And he's been, he's also been hurt this year, right? So we don't even really get to see, get a chance to watch him. Um, so Steph Curry definitely makes it into my top five. Um, James Harden is someone who who doesn't make it into my top five. He's on the outside looking in. Um, Russell Westbrook obviously on the outside looking in. There's a lot of guys on the outside looking into that top five because they can they can only be five. So I think it would look like that. I think with LeBron, um, Kawhi. Uh, Giannis, Steph, KD. I think that's where we go with that one. Chris Rock said, I'll never forget it last year. He said, Chris, he said, Chris Rock said, Steph Curry is Allen Iverson with a daddy in the home. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Rock is crazy. Oh, you, man. You talked about um, Kevin Durant. And you said that, um, well, let me take a step back. The thing that I think you have the cheat code on, which I think is, is, is pretty brilliant, you just go into the practice center and you get video of KD working out. And every time you do it, I said, there goes Chris again, get picked up by Clutch Boys. There goes Chris again, get picked Like, you, you have the cheat code because everybody wants to know what KD is doing. Um, and that kind of feeds into the – my mom told me to stop using this word because I've been using it on TV and radio a lot, but whatever. Narrative. It feeds into this narrative of, of – um, He's coming back this season. People have said it. Um, the Nets kind of minimalized that conversation, but we all know that the Nets do minimalize a lot of things, albeit right. the injury, et cetera. But uh, that being said, what you say? I said, who are you telling? But Let me ask you a question. Things. 
directly. Based upon Kevin Durant's injury, on your side of things, was there discussion? Were people discussing he was going to come back? Were there people inside that were convinced that he was coming back? Or was it really just he was coming back next season? Um, I think that what the Nets have tried to sell is that he's coming back next year, that he's not coming back at all this year. And I think that they are saying that, number one, because they don't want to put any pressure on him to come back anytime soon. When you think about it, that was exactly what Kyrie Irving said on opening day media day. He's like, hey, I'm going to protect KD. I'm going to make sure that something like that, like what happened last year, like him coming back from an injury that he wasn't ready to come back from, never happens again. And I think that kind of, not only did that put, Bart that put Nets on notice, but it's just understood. When a guy tears his Achilles at the end of last season, you don't really want to risk that on a team that A, you don't even know if these are going to be guys that you're going to have here for the long haul in terms of guys not named Kyrie, not named DeAndre, not named. I think Gary Temple's going to be here for as long as this goes through as well. Um, but on top of that, right, it's really not worth it. The championship window starts next year, right? And then especially once Kyrie got hurt for an extended period, there was no reason for him to rush back. I will say this, though. Um, once I saw his clear progression from first not, losing, not really being able to jump on that leg to then doing turnaround fadeaway jump, once I saw those turnaround fadeaway jumps with my own eyes, it's one thing seeing him playing pickup on the West Coast with Nick Claxton on Twitter or on Instagram Live or whatever. It's another thing seeing that that stuff in, in person, right? And once I saw him do that, and I didn't have my camera up, he only did it a couple of times and he went away. I was like, all right, nah, this, he's ready to play. And I wouldn't say ready to play as in ready to, to deal because you have to – it's one thing shooting jump shots in an empty gym. It's another thing shooting jump shots against guys who are trying to stop you, right, who get paid to stop you. Um, but I think he's – I think at this point in the process, he's probably ready for five-on-five five at the very least. Um, obviously, if he comes back, it will be a minutes restriction. But at the same time, what's the point in coming back now when – a, you haven't had a team to to play with the entire year. You don't know what it looks like playing with these guys. B, you don't even know who your head coach is. You're going to play for one head coach. Then that head coach probably is going to get replaced right. next year. C, you don't even know if the guys that you're about to come back to play with and put yourself at risk of re-injury for are going to even be on the team next year. Right? So there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that return. So I don't think he should return. Um, at, well, there is no return right now, right? Because the coronavirus happened and there's no basketball. But I was always of the belief that this season was not the time for him to come back. Um, and what I was being told by other people was the same that the Nets were saying, like, hey, he's not coming back anytime soon. Same thing KD, same thing everybody was saying. So I, I'm I'm one that has become, this year has made me skeptical of things that I hear from people, right? Of things that I hear from, from people who are trying to get me to write a certain thing or not to write something. Right or from PR people because it's their job, right? It's their job to sell something to you, and it's my job to kind of be skeptical of it. But this year, I think it's more so. Okay, I don't think it makes sense for Katie to come back. I never did think it made sense for him to come back. Spencer Dinwiddie, why is he such a Nets fan favorite? He keeps it a buck at all times. If you ask Spencer anything, he will give you an honest answer, unless you ask him a question about something that could come back to him. Right? If you ask him about like, hey, what's what's going on with this coronavirus stuff? Ah. Uh, Right, he's not. He's not gonna. He's not foolish with what he says. Right, he's not like uh, what's a good word. He's not gonna let any any like proprietary information slip. But he will. He's 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 funny, and he just like he keep he call, he tells it like it is. Right, and that's just why guys like him. Right, and he can hoop. Right, it's not like he's just talking. He can't go out there and get buckets. He'll go out there and get buckets, dunk on you, hit a three, he might win a game. He hit the game winner in L.A. Right, and he's just a cool dude. 
uh, keeps in the bucket all times. Uh, that's why that's, that's a really that's a really good dude, man. I, I enjoy working with him and just uh, being able to talk to him about the game. Yeah, and he's a guy who he will give you answers even because you know if you've been in the locker rooms, you know how guys can be. They'll they'll be on ten if they win and on zero if they lose, right? And Spencer will give you Spencer is Spencer win or loss, right? And I think that's why why people like him. You know what you're getting from him. Uh, kind of like you know what you're getting from the player, right? You know he's he's a downhill type of guy. He's going to try to blow by his man. He's going to move that ball around. He can play defense. Um, you you know what you're getting from Spencer, and that's why guys like him. Is he a modern-day Chauncey Billups? Ooh, is he a modern-day Chauncey Billups? I wouldn't go that far. Um, I know they both went to – I believe they both went to – Chauncey Billups went to Colorado, right? Colorado. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's a modern – I think I think Chauncey was a little bit more of a marksman from three-point range. I think he was a little less wily with his decisions. But um, in terms of just, like, what they do on the floor, Spencer is an offense organizer, right? And I think that's something that Chauncey Billups definitely was during his time. Um, but I just think they're two different guys. I think uh, Spencer has a lot of more size on him. Um, but you are saying modern day. Mm, possibly. I, I don't know. I'm not sure uh, if that's the comparison I would use. But they did go to the same school, and they do both. Or they, both they both play defense, and they both organize the offense pretty well. So in those ways, yeah, there are comparisons there. Could Kyrie Irving and Spencer Ben Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie be the modern-day Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars? Sheesh. Wow. Um, hmm. Could they be the modern-day Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas? Um, that's an interesting question. I I don't know. You know, I don't. I think I'm pretty sure Joe Dumars got a lot more buckets than than, than Spencer does, right? Joe Dumars was he, he was a bucket getter, but Kyrie. Man, man, I, I think we're, I think Kyrie is a player that, that we haven't really seen anything like him, right? I, I remember watching Isaiah Thomas a little bit, you know, but I don't think Isaiah Thomas had the handles the way Kyrie does. And Kyrie is just like an offensive talent that I can't remember watching somebody, even if it's just 20 games, who just the, the Barclays Center arena is a different place when he's there. It's night and day when he's playing and when he's not, right? Like you can feel the electricity yeah. there when he's there. And when he's not there, it's like, all right, well, let's win tonight. No, when Kyrie's on the floor, you think that your team has a chance to win no matter what, right? Which is kind of, which is why it was kind of odd that the Nets didn't win very many games when he was playing. But getting back to your question, can they be a modern day Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, it's not like my, my Pistons history is not where it should be. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I'll put it this way: I think that Kyrie and Spencer have an opportunity to be as good as a backcourt tandem if they end up starting together. Who knows what they're going to end up doing? But they can be as good as a tandem as anyone, uh, especially if they keep this thing together. What's next for you, brother? What's next for me, man? Um, hopefully, health, right? Health and wealth, number one. Um, this coronavirus thing has got a lot of people scared. It's got a lot of people making crazy decisions, making rash decisions. Um, taking care of my mother right now. Uh, she she actually popped something in her in her kneecap yesterday, so she's able to pop it. She was able to pop it back in because she's a champion. She's a warrior. That's where I get it from. But um, just making sure she stays well and just holding down the household. You know, like we're in a wild time right now with this coronavirus stuff. Um, I've got some things I'm working on for the New York Daily News that you guys will see in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned. I've got a couple of different things I'm working on, but right now it's more so like a health before, before anything. Right. So I'm just staying in the house playing my PS4. If anybody listens to this, wants to get smoked in 2k or call of duty or Madden or any game, I'm with it. Um, What's your game yeah, is that? Uh, 
it's it's Chris Blast. So it's I T S and then my name. So it's it's Chris Blast. I don't know why Chris Blast was already taken. Um, <laughs> maybe I maybe I made a name and forgot about it. I don't know. But right now it's it's Chris Blast. Um, I've got everything. I got Call of Duty. I got Madden. I've got 2K. I got Street Fighter. I got Mortal Kombat. And I'm handing out L's and all of them. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just trying to. And to be honest, brother, I'm trying to be like you. I'm trying to keep that content pumping pumping out as often as I can. Um, and I've got a couple bigger bigger picture features I'm working on. Um, actually, I can tell you guys about one of them. Uh, Thursday, I'm going to be just driving throughout New York City. Um, we took, well, obviously New York took down all the rims uh, at a bunch of these different uh, outdoor parks. So I'm just going to drive by a bunch of them, see if I can find anybody outside, uh, keep my social distancing of six to 10 feet and talk to people about what they're going to do. Hopefully I, I bump into somebody that's still shooting at a backboard with no rim or something like that. You know, just taking a look. Because the thing about it, New York City parks, are just like basketball courts are, are, are a staple of New York City, right? And for there to be no rims on any court, I've never seen anything like it. So it's going to drive around, see what I can find, see if there's any stories there. And um, if there is one, you guys see. You heard it first. Christian, I appreciate you uh, spending an hour with me on the pod. And oh, brother, uh, man. This, this is long overdue. Now, man, we spent longer than an hour talking about other things. At least I could do is pop on the podcast and and give you some time, bro. I appreciate you. And you know that already. Also, wait, wait, wait. Shout out to Zenny. All right. First and foremost, <laughs> shout out to Zenny for sending your boy a care package. Zenny, I appreciate you. Uh, you're better than Warby Parker because Warby Parker took. Yeah, I ordered these glasses from Warby Parker on February 20th, and I didn't get them dressed till like March 14th or something like that. No, no. Really, I think I got my time back up. It, it was something like that. It was a weird timeline where I waited three weeks for some glasses that were supposed to come in, a, in, in about six days. Right, so it was very, very annoying. And then you come through like, hey, uh, you need some other glasses. I know Zenny. Uh, I got a plug in Zenny. And you kind of been, been talking about them for a little while. And these, brother, they hooked me up, man. They sent me four different pairs of glasses. I only asked you for three. They sent four. And the, the casing is nice. I got a red pair. I got a white pair. The white pair got a map of Chicago on the inside. I got a nice pair of fly tortoise shell glasses. I got a gold pair of sunglass aviators that are also prescription. Stop playing. Shout out to Zeddy. They have to get up, man. Appreciate y'all. I, I look out for my own. I had to make sure you got to take care of and uh, Kelly Eco over at the Athletic. Make sure he can take care of a few other people. Oh, man. Too. Kelly Eco's a good dude, man. Ask, ask Kelly about piano. Yeah, yeah I heard him. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy. Oh, yes, man. Shout out to Zenny Optical. Zenny, Zenny Shout out to Zenny Optical. Yes, oh, sir. Man. Yes, sir. Christian, let me hold sign. What you mean? Let me, let me hold sign. Hey, man. <laughs> I'll let you hold something. You got to let me hold something, too. Stop playing. I, I sent you $5. You sent me 10 <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, we're out, brother. You're off the hot seat. Thank you for, for, for joining us today. Thanks. Anytime, man. You guys just listen to Scooby Radio. Christian Winfield, appreciate y'all. My man, I'll talk to you soon. Scoop B Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.